afternoon, a happy Friday afternoon, beginning of the long weekend, May 24th weekend here in Canada. If you're listening from outside of Canada, well, you could always come to Canada and enjoy it. This is episode three of Warriors Lax Chat, and we're going to be joined by the head coach of the Mi'kmaq Warriors from the East Coast uh, Junior Lacrosse League. They are based in Toronto, Nova Scotia, and with us is Brendan Smithson once again. Coach, how are you doing on this Friday afternoon? I am doing excellent on this Friday afternoon. It's a beautiful day outside uh, in Halifax, and we've got our uh, last ECJHL game uh, tonight between uh, the Bandits and the Sackville Wolves um, before a long weekend and everybody gets a nice little break. Yeah, well, uh, before we uh, talk a tiny little bit about long weekend, you just mentioned that uh, East Coast Junior Lacrosse League game tonight. Uh, maybe just tee it up once more. I believe it's in Shearwater this evening. Yep, tonight's game is in Shearwater, uh, hosted by the Dartmouth Bandits. Um, I'll say they always have an exciting atmosphere. They're the two-time defending champions, and uh, they'll be playing the Sackville Wolves, who is one of the new up-and-comers in our league. Um, and I know the Wolves have been uh, quite excited about this matchup, and one of the exciting things is our league MVP, uh, Bretton Penny, will be back in the lineup for the Dartmouth Bandits tonight. He had 92 points in 13 games last year, so I know the Bandits will be happy to have him back in the lineup. Well, that's a nice injection of uh, offense right there, no doubt about it. It is for them, but not for the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> so talking about uh, recent games, the last game for uh, yourselves and the Mi'kmaq Warriors, you uh, made a road trip up to BMO Center in Bedford, and you took on the uh, Halifax Hurricanes. Maybe just uh, break down uh, that visit up to uh, Bedford and your experience taking on the Hurricanes. Oh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, unfortunately a disappointing game for us in the end. And um, But actually, you know, having gone and reviewed the tape and watching the game, uh, we played a very solid first and third period. Uh, in the second period, uh, the wheels came off a little bit and uh, the boys were unable to recover. And, um, you know, we just weren't moving our feet and, and getting in position. We definitely proved we could play with them. Uh, we had a couple people get injured during the game. And uh, the other part to it was it seemed like the flu bug was still going through our room as uh, – we had quite a few people that were unable to finish the game to, to their stomach, and uh, that caused a little bit of issues for us uh, on short numbers in the second period. But uh, overall, the Hurricanes have been in the final the last two years in a really solid team, and uh, we were playing right with them all game. Uh, I even had some reports from some of the, the parents and other teams watching that said in the first, we actually took it to them, and uh, we thought we did. It was 3-2 at the end of the first. Um, we just couldn't sustain it through the second. Um, in the third, we came back and had a solid game again, but... Uh, you know, you got to play a full 60 minutes in this league, and unfortunately we didn't do that. But uh, we, we feel confident about how we played and that we can play with that team, which is always a big note for us coming out of each game. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned the breakdown of the periods. I mean, sometimes, whether it's lacrosse, hockey, basketball, football, it can be a tale of two quarters, two halves, uh, a period or two. And, you know, you talked about that second period, the Hurricanes put nine goals on the board, but again, it all goes together to the 14-4 final score, but it's kind of interesting when you break it down. If you just had the first and third periods, you guys basically played even up with the Hurricanes, but it was that second period that was kind of the downfall. As a coaching staff looking at it after the fact, can you maybe put your finger, other than you mentioned the injuries and things, but can you put your finger on a couple of things that kind of saw it get away from you in that second period? 
Well, I think uh, the biggest thing that got away from us in the second um, is at the start of the second period, and every second period, you have the longer change. Um, so our defensive zone is at the farthest point away from our bench, so it's a much longer area to make the change. And at the start of the period, the Hurricanes really pressured us, um, and our boys were caught a little by surprise by that and uh, made a couple of turnovers and a couple of loose balls that we missed that they took advantage of, and they definitely buried it. Um, from that, they got about four goals, and then it just kind of kept spiraling, and they they didn't have time to breathe and find that space. We called a timeout and uh, got a couple of offensive opportunities, but um, when when it's having a hard time bringing the ball up the floor, and you actually do bring it up, the offense starts to rush a little bit because they don't get the ball too often, uh, which causes less time for the defense to rest. And as they get tired, as most athletes know, as you get tired, it seems to be making tougher decisions. And it just kept spiraling, and we had a really hard time trying to get out of it. But I thought the pressure was a little bit where we got in some trouble, and we made a couple turnovers. And the Hurricanes are a solid team that uh, do make you pay for that. Uh, in the first and the third, we handled their pressure very well, and we got we made some uh, great clearing attempts, and we fixed those problems. But as you said, if, if uh, it's one of those periods that 20 minutes really cost us, and uh, I think they they know that they knew it coming out of the second that uh, they. They made some mistakes, and I think they fixed it up in the third, which is a good sign for our team, knowing we had a bad period, and we, we still came out and played hard in the third. That's great to see. Um, so that was an important part for us, at least. And when you look at a game like that, it's got to be interesting for a coaching staff because, you know, if, if you look at that first and third period as a coaching staff, lots of positive, lots of good things to build on. But then that second period as a coaching staff, there's maybe some things that you kind of really want to follow up on and, you know, get the guys together and to make sure that they don't make those uh, types of things happen again so that you don't have a period like that. But as a coaching staff after the game, what was kind of the message in terms of walking that tightrope between patting them on the back for the overall good job, especially in the first and third, but also wanting to kind of get them to pull their bootstraps up because of what happened in the second? What was the mood like in the room and what was the message from you guys as coaches to the team? Well, I think the mood in the room was, um, you know, they realize that it's a team they can play with. And, uh, you know, there's a little bit of positive around the fact that we played all four teams this league and we've proven that we can play with every one of them. Um, but the message from the coaching staff is, you know, we are the hardworking, uh, hard-hat team that can't quit. And we can't take shifts off. We can't take periods off. Uh, we need to keep moving our feet and never stop the grind. And in this game, we stopped our grind in the second period. And uh, without that, we're, you know, we're not a team that can kind of handle those kind of breakdowns for 20 minutes. We need to go strong for the whole 60. Um, there was a lot of nodding heads when the message went around. And, uh, you know, we were proud of the way they replied in the third period, and it shows our resiliency. And we were proud of the way they started. But um, we have to find a full 60 minutes, and endurance is part of that. So we need to keep our, our running up as much as possible and uh, focus on the game. Well, you know, we also expressed that this game, especially lacrosse, is very similar to basketball in the fact that it's a game of runs. There are times they're going to score three and four on us. Uh, we need to figure out what stops the bleeding and what moves it in the right direction and how, how we do that. Um, the talk around the players was they just literally stopped talking on the bench and on the floor, and when you're not communicating with each other, it just kind of spirals. Um, so it's, it was really positive for us to see that they started to recognize what their faults were 
um, and they really want to work on those to improve them. Uh, we had practice on Tuesday, and the same kind of message was sent by the team, and they really felt that they need to communicate when those things happen. Um, and, you know, we are a team, and we preach ourselves as a family, and as long as they stick and work together as a family, we're going to do very well, and they just can't have moments where they, they go as individuals. Well, sometimes you hear the adage, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And certainly if you take that second period aside, for me as a fan looking at the team, it would say a lot. You mentioned that word resilience, the resilience of the group to come back after that second period and kind of button it down a little and have a much better third and finish on a strong note, to me says a lot about the team. But as a coaching staff, when you see a team bounce back after a second period like that, not hang their heads, come back and have a strong third, what does that tell you about this group as a coaching staff? It tells us everything we've talked about with our team is that uh, we're built on heart um, and, and we play hard um, and we never quit. That's something we've preached from day one with this team. Um, you know, sometimes we've had some struggling games uh, in the past where it's been tough. Um, but this team is really about uh, – they, they wear, have a lot of pride in the jersey they wear. Um, and it's not about their individual name, but it's the logo on the front, and they take pride in that. And they do this for uh, the creator, and they do this for their fans and their family, and they work right till the end. So being able to be resilient and come back from that was extremely important to the coaching staff. Um, before the second period, uh, before the third period, we started talking about we really need to have a solid third so that we can show them that uh, that we can come back. The issue was we just couldn't stop some of the issues that were happening in the second period, which we can tighten up on. Uh, but showing that shows the resilience of our players, which is something that it's almost impossible to teach them. They have to just have that, and our team does, which was important for us to see in that moment of the game. Now, from the beginning of the season, it's been a pretty hectic schedule for the teams in the East Coast Junior Lacrosse League. And for the Mi'kmaq Warriors, you guys come out of the gate, uh, have played four games in just a little over a week and a half. But now it kind of flips back the other way. You've got a fairly significant break. Here we are on Friday the 18th as we do this podcast. Uh, Your last game was four days ago, and you've got uh, another week and a bit until your next contest against the New Brunswick Mavericks on Saturday the 26th of May. So a lot of time in between there, Coach, to look at film and to work things over and uh, to obviously work on some things in practice. What was practice like this week? What are some things that you worked on? And how did the team and the coaches feel about practice this week? Um, practice was a, was a tough practice. Uh, we worked them extremely hard even after a game. Uh, there was quite a lot of running involved. Some of the areas we really focused on uh, was loose ball. Uh, we also focused on the transition piece. And the last piece was we focused on face-offs because we felt we really struggled in the, the face-off circle, not at just winning the draw by our draw man, but about coming up with the ball. So those were the areas that we really focused on. Um, and we spoke with the team about um, what needed to happen and, and, and what happened in that. We had some conversations around what changed on the bench, and, and they had some conversations with themselves. So uh, I think we really pushed them harder than uh, we have in the past, and I think that was important. Uh, we wanted to show them that, uh, you know, we're a team that, that can't stop working. So we don't get breaks. You know, you get a quick water break for a minute, and then we get back out there and we start sprinting again. Um, I'm sure it was really tough on their bodies, and you could tell us they needed some extra breaks during the practice, but um, this is how hard our season is and how hard it gets as we get closer into June, and we need to be ready for those moments um, that are tough on them, and 
they can't find that extra breath but have to find it to go out there one more time. So we talked about the one more time, and this is the end of the third, and pushing them beyond their limits um, within practice because that's where we felt we collapsed a little bit in the second period, and uh, we wanted them to have that as we move forward. Now, were there any uh, special wrinkles or uh, new drills uh, <laughs> in this week's practice that uh, maybe were introduced? I know that we have talked on other podcasts uh, about you encouraging the other coaches to come up with some different drills and try some things. Uh, anything you can uh, let us in on from this last practice? We didn't do anything uh, super special this time around, nothing completely new. Uh, as I said, we did a lot of the face-offs. We, did, uh, we had some struggles in the game with four-on-four, four, so we did a little challenge with the offense and defense of best-of-seven series four-on-four. Four. Uh, if the offense scored, they got a point. If the defense cleared, um, they received a point, and uh, it ended up our offense won 4-3 in the seventh game, which uh, made them do five sets of stairs, and um, the stairs is the one thing they absolutely hate. So if you've ever been in the Colchester Legion Stadium, they have to run up and down the stairs all the way around the rink as one. Um, so they're, they're always a big fan of that. Um, so that was uh, one of the things that we added this week. And then one of our drills that we usually do at the end, because they worked really hard in practice and we were quite impressed with their work ethic. Uh, we did a game that we call five ball. So what happens is we break them into two teams. Each team has five balls, uh, one at a time, each, each team comes out and takes one ball and, and takes a shot until they've scored on all five of their balls. Um, each side tied 1-1, one, one, so nobody had to actually do any sprints for that, which they were very happy about. Sometimes I think they do that on purpose, but they don't have to run. Um, but those were kind of what we focused on in, in practice. Um, the stairs are probably the new one that they hate. I've done it for a lot of years, um, but they just needed to do a little bit of work because we stopped running in the second period of our game. And uh, I get tired just going up the stairs or the steps of the Legion Stadium, just getting to my seat, Coach. What are you doing to these poor guys? <laughs> <laughs> well, we always say the harder you work, the easier it is in the game. So uh, it was one of those moments that, uh, you know, they knew that they needed to do it. Um, so they just pushed themselves through it. A lot of time it also has them uh, work together. We had actually some of our leaders, you know, every kid's endurance is a little bit different. So while they were doing some of their runs during the day, we saw a couple of our our leaders who don't have A's or C's go beside somebody who's, you know, struggling to make the run and, and help them through that moment, which brings our family even tighter together. Uh, I know uh, Tanner Morgan was actually one of the guys who helped out uh, one of our leaders on the floor make it through the running, and there was more than him. Lots of others do that, and uh, they support each other all the way, which is what our team is all about. Yeah, that uh, can certainly be a team-building thing. And you mentioned, you know... They will not say it's a team-building thing. They will say it's a hurt. <laughs> but you you talk about you know in you know the, the steps and and getting to the work a little bit but as a coaching staff knowing that you've got such a chunk of time between games almost two weeks 12 days to be exact but do you maybe try to push them a little harder in practice just to kind of keep the, keep them in game shape so to speak yeah that was part of our, our messages is pushing them a little bit harder because we have a lot of time off um, and, and pushing a lot of the work outside. Um, we also put out the message, and we continue to put out the message about um, the video and making sure you're reviewing that. A lot of times, you know, between games, we might have three or four days, so we have to have a little bit of a lighter practice knowing there's a game coming up, so this was an opportunity to push them a little harder. And also with three or four days and these kids having to work in school, there's not always time to get to the video as much. Now with so much time, especially being nice out uh our video is all uploaded online so they can watch it on an iPod or even on their phone. 
So it's a good opportunity for them to review, especially since we've seen every team that can review the Maverick games and the other teams, and we actually have a video that breaks it all down for us. So great opportunity for them to review the video that's going on, and we did push them a little harder in practice knowing that we had a little bit more of a break and that they were getting a little bit more of a break with a long weekend coming up. So looking ahead to your next game uh, on the 26th of this month, uh, now that you've been through the league and you've played each team once, now you get to go back and you're getting to play teams again. So, you know, there's that familiarity, knowing one another, so on and so forth. This New Brunswick Mavericks team that you're going to be playing, uh, you played them already at home back on the 6th of May, a, a close game that the Mi'kmaq Warriors won 12-10. Knowing that you've played them once, you've beaten them, what are you working on and what are going to be some keys to success for you guys to go 2-0 against the Mavericks next week? Um, so the Mavericks is going to be a, a very interesting game. It's nice for us to get a win and that we'll have some confidence. Um, that's a big start right there. Uh, I know the boys will be excited to be playing them one more time. One of the biggest pieces that uh, they really got on us was, uh, was the fast breaks, um, which is one of the things we practiced following that game, playing the Derrick Bandits, and the ability to get back. We had a, quite a few turnovers in that game that uh, – the Mavericks took advantage and got some odd man rushes and some opportunities, um, which is what we really need to shut down. Um, the focus is going to be having the boys not get overconfident. Um, I'm going to tell you that the Mavs are going to come out uh, much harder than they did in the first game, knowing that, that we beat them in the first one. And uh, for some reason, the New Brunswick team always seems to be a different team when they're at home than when they're on the road. So uh, knowing that we're going to have to be ready. Um, they've been off on just about as long as a break as us. So, one of the things we started really slow in that first game, they got up on us 2 nothing, and we want to make sure that we take it to them at home with the big break they've had and being able to uh, take advantage of might, might be a little sluggish on their part and uh, get some quick goals on them. So knowing that you've got a victory against them and uh, they also won their last game against uh, Sackville Sports Wheels, but how important is it? Yes, all wins are important, but how important is it for this team, for the Mi'kmaq Warriors, to go up to New Brunswick next week, get another win, and to put two wins in the W column for this team to build toward the rest of the regular season? Well, I mean, every win is important, as you know. Um, you know I think there's five teams and four teams make the playoffs. So, um, you know, making sure that we're continually being in front of uh, those the teams that are out there is important. So uh, we have a bit of an unbalanced schedule this year because of um, the way that the schedule worked out and the, the Northwest team folding out just a little, just near the start of the season. So we actually play the Mavs more than anyone else. So um, it's extremely important that we, we get a win here. Um, you know, it puts us in a, in a stronger situation coming up with uh, some more games against the Wolves and uh, the other teams in the league. So we want to make sure that we, we keep on top of them and, uh, you know, keep the confidence up. My boys have felt pretty good about most of the games that they played in the first five. They feel that they can play with all those teams, but being able to play with somebody and being able to get a victory are two different things, and we now need to prove that we can pull out some wins against some of those teams and continue to do so against the Mavs. And, of course, when you're coming up to the beginning of a regular season, you're putting a team together, you've only got practice. You don't know what you've got really until you get in live game situations. Looking at what you had at the beginning of the year in preseason with practice – and having seen this team now play four games, 
what do you like and what are you most happy about in terms of your team's growth and development? I know it's only early, but again, compared to what it was like before you even hit the floor for a real game to where you are now four games in, what are a couple of things that as a coaching staff you really like and you've really seen this team grow in? Um, so the biggest areas that we've definitely grown in is uh, number one is the defensive side of the ball. We we are really impressed with with the defensive side. We've had to do some rotating on players who are in and out of the lineup um, just to give everybody some opportunities. And it seems no matter who's in and who's not in, um, there's definitely ten solid players on the defensive end, and we've been ex- extremely impressed with that. It's it's been a huge help to us. We were a little concerned about some of the size that we've had because we're not overly a big team in the league, um, but they're playing above their size, um, and and that's something that we really needed them to do. And they've been they've been physical, and and that's who we have to be to be within the game. So that's one area. Um, the second area that we've been very impressed with is our transition. Um, you know, it's something that we've struggled with. A lot of teams have pressured us in the past, um, knowing that we would turn the ball over. Um, but on the offensive side, our offense has given a lot of pressure and created more opportunities for us. And on the defensive side, the defense, other than the second period of the last game, did a great, has been doing a great job of getting it out of our own end. Um, and that's something that has been really, really important to us. Um, that's really helped us move us forward this year and been a big difference. Um, we've also, because of the new defense that we put in this year, have noticed a lot more turnovers. It was um, one of the things that we were really trying to force. We would kind of allow teams to – to attack us and hopefully that we can hold them out. And now with our more aggressive style, I feel that we've been attacking them, which has caused uh, the, us to kind of direct them where we'd like them to go and create some more turnovers. Often it can expose you a little bit more, but I think we've done a good job of managing that um, with the strong defensive play that we've had, which has been quite impressive. Um, and our offense is, you know, when they find their, uh, their chemistry, there's not many teams that can stop them. So we've been pretty impressed with that part. Um, each each person has their role and, and plays it very well. And uh, once they find that groove, uh, they're one of the best in the league. And you mentioned defense and you mentioned transition. Something that we're going to start with episode three here of Warriors Lax Chat is to get to know some of the players a little bit better and do a player profile uh, on each of the episodes, each of the podcasts. And uh, in this particular episode for the first player profile of the season, uh, a player that... Uh, brings a lot to the team, uh, is Connor Sabatis. What can you tell us about him, how he came to the Warriors, and a little bit about his lacrosse background, Coach? Um, so Connor Sabatis is uh, one of our players from uh, number two First Nations up in Cape Breton. Um, he came to us about three years ago. Uh, we had started to kind of build some relationships with Cape Breton lacrosse and uh, give their players some opportunity to play at some higher levels. Um, Cape Breton lacrosse, I think, is only four years old. It might be five or six and in that range, they're under 10 years. Um, and so they have a lot of new players, but a lot of talented players and natural athletes up there. Uh, making some connections with them, Connor uh, was one of the uh, four players that we brought down on kind of an affiliate basis in, in our second years. We had some injuries piling up and we need some players. So we asked a few of the, the players that we had seen that we thought could play with us come down. And uh, Connor and, uh, and the group actually excelled. Connor probably took the lead out of those players um, as one of the top players. Um, his ability to play defense and understand the game and his athletic ability just put him as one of our top defenders and, and one of the strongest players on loose ball for us. Um, there, it was very interesting, and I think it was his second game at home. Um, and his call-up, he uh, picked up a loose ball, and I think he got nailed by probably one of the biggest players in the league. And 
I pretty much thought that was the end of Carter Sabatis, but he got right back up and back in the game. So he's been one of the resilient players for us. So he's been with us for uh, three years now. That first year he was just an affiliate, played about six games. Uh, and then this, uh, this upcoming year, the last two years, he's been one of our assistant captains on the defensive end. And this year he's taken a, a much more of a vocal leadership role with us, which is extremely important for us to have that. And uh, he definitely helps support the Cape Breton area with lacrosse and also the Warrior players in training outside of the game. Um, you know, the players from Cape Breton and Connor is one of them who has to drive at least three and a half hours for a practice every week and uh, four hours and a half to a game sometimes when they're in Halifax. Um, and he's one that never seems to miss, so it's been great to see his commitment to the team. Um, last year, he played a little bit of offense for us, um, played on the right side, and this year we moved him back to his defensive position. Uh, we were a little short on the right side last year, so we moved him up, but he's been uh, quite enjoying the defensive side, but he's also a big contributor to our transition game and bringing the ball up the floor. He's one of our confident players with the ball and, and really helps move the defense forward. When I first uh, started in broadcasting, my uh, first job was with East Link TV coach, and I was actually stationed. Uh, up in Sydney and got to spend a lot of time up in the beautiful First Nation community of Member 2. With Connor being from there, uh, have you had a chance to talk to him at all about the pride that he feels representing his First Nations community and what it means for him to go back and to be able to share his lacrosse knowledge with some of the youth there? Um, I know it means a lot to Connor for that. Um, So Connor was also part of the North American Indigenous team um, team Nova Scotia that went to uh, for lacrosse that went to Ontario in 2017, and he was actually an assistant captain for that team as well, uh, and, and definitely one of the leaders on the defensive end. Um, so for him, it, it is straight a, a strong connection to uh, number two in the First Nation communities and, and being a leader. He's one of the people that have um, especially helped pave the way for um, the Cape Breton players to play in the junior league and and develop the cross in that region. There are quite a few others that have been a part of that. Uh, Andrew, Keegan, Blake, and uh, uh, Caden and Nathan are also part of that group that have helped move that forward. But uh, he's been one of the role models and paving the way for future players. Uh, I know it means a lot to him to see Cape Breton players kind of engage with the Warriors and knowing that he's kind of trailblazed that path and that others are, are following with him after that to move up to a next level. So, uh, it means a lot to him to be able to connect with his, uh, his community and other communities around in the Cape Breton region. And uh, I know it was a, a huge moment for him uh, when he was part of uh, the North American Indigenous Games and, and being on Team Nova Scotia and getting to play in Six Nations uh, as part of the tournament. Yeah, just a tremendous uh, effort by that young man, and it's really nice to see. And before we kind of wrap things up here, Coach, you, you know, you mentioned how Connor, living up in, in Member 2 in Cape Breton, having to make that three to four hour trip depending on whether it's a a practice or a game uh, the team itself the Mi'kmaq Warriors is kind of interesting maybe just tell the listeners about the dedication of these players because you kind of pull players from all over the place not just from right in the uh, the Truro Millbrook area. No it's one of the nicest things about our team and um, we're one of the few teams in the league that draws players from Cape Breton all the way to the valley um, it's quite a widespread across um, Nova Scotia which is important for us um, it, it's been something that we it's a it's really positive for our team to be bringing everybody together and it makes us much stronger as a family that has some challenges as in every other team can call a practice on a Tuesday night and we have to make sure we have quite a bit of notice to get everybody together um, and oftentimes there's issues with with uh, driving and pieces like that. Um, but together we work to make sure that we have, everybody gets the opportunity to play. Um, a lot of the kids that are outside HRM 
have challenges even getting uh, games if the only league is in Halifax. Um, so we, we pride ourselves on giving that opportunity for kids to be able to play from a distance. And we do our best to help support them in doing that and, uh, you know, putting our games a little bit later or practices on a standard night um, so that they're able to get there and figure out how we can work with them. Uh, this year we tried to do an exhibition game up in Cape Breton uh, as a preseason um, to give the kind of guys from Cape Breton a thank you for all the traveling they've been doing. Unfortunately, didn't quite come together, but it is something we are looking at next year and trying to build the game up in Cape Breton and other regions across Nova Scotia. Well, Coach, listen, we really appreciate you taking the time again to join us on Warriors Lax Chat. We'll look forward to having episode four next week. And I know that uh, with your role with the league itself, you've got some duty tonight. We mentioned it off the top, but worth mentioning again, you're going to be at Shearwater, 7.30 tonight. The Sports Wheels Wolves Lacrosse taking on the Dartmouth Bandits again, 7.30 at Shearwater Arena. Coach, uh, give your best pitch as to why people should make that trip over on a beautiful Friday night and enjoy some outstanding lacrosse action. Uh, my best pitch around that one is um, Dartmouth has uh, probably the best player back, uh, in the league back in, and Sackville is the new up-and-coming. Sackville has something definitely to prove in this game, to prove that they can play with uh, the defending league champs. And I know the Bandits are aware that uh, Sackville is one of those teams that's coming after them. And this will be a hard-nosed, fast-paced game uh, that will be very entertaining from start to finish. And I can tell you that the Bandits always have an entertaining show. Um, it's always an exciting atmosphere in that arena. And uh, it, it'll definitely be a family affair, and you'll enjoy every moment that you're there. Well, fans, get out to Shearwater tonight. It's the Wolves. It's the Bandits. 7.30 at Shearwater Arena. The Bandits 3-0. and the Wolves are 1-2. and two. And, Coach, your next game next Saturday up in New Brunswick on the 26th of May, taking on the New Brunswick Mavericks. But we will talk to you before then. But I want to wish you and your family uh, a great long weekend here as it's the Victoria Day weekend. Uh, enjoy some barbecue, I hope, and uh, hopefully you get some downtime. Thanks for this. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again soon. Perfect. Enjoy your weekend as well. Thank you very much, Coach, and have fun at the game tonight. You as well. Thanks a lot. That's the head coach of the Mi'kmaq Warriors, Brendan Smithson. The Warriors, of course, part of the East Coast Junior Lacrosse League. A big game tonight as the Wolves take on the Bandits. Again, you can check that game out at the Shearwater Arena, 7.30 p.m. local time. I would encourage you to get out. You can also follow the East Coast Junior Lacrosse League on Twitter, and all the teams are there as well. They do a good job at keeping fans up to date on what's happening with scores and things of that nature around the game. So once again, thank you to Coach Smithson for joining us on Warriors Lax Chat. And as well, I want to welcome and thank a new partner for the Firm Foundation Media Podcast Network, the Doubletree by Hilton Halifax Dartmouth. The Doubletree by Hilton Halifax Dartmouth offers an ideal location overlooking the beautiful Halifax Harbor. Just minutes from downtown Halifax, the modern hotel is situated next to the McDonald Bridge, offering easy access to the ferry terminal, Alderley Landing, and the bustling shopping district at Dartmouth Crossing. Business travelers indeed will appreciate the close proximity to both Halifax and Dartmouth business areas, including Burnside Industrial Park, the Double Tree by Hilton Halifax Dartmouth, where the little things mean everything. I'm Scott Squires, friends. You've been listening to Warriors Lax Chat. Until next time, if you can't take part in sport, be a good one anyway. Have a great long weekend. Take care. We'll talk to you soon.